Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. The word made flesh in the person and work of Jesus, your son. And your word as it comes to us today in the Bible. Lord, we pray you would send your Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our lives to open your word to us. Father, speak your truth into our living. And we all said together, amen. Have you ever been somewhere where you weren't quite sure you belonged? Well, there was one such occasion for me where I was keenly aware that I was an outsider. I had been invited into an existing family unit for a holiday celebration. And boy, was I nervous. I was nervous that I would not fit in. It was my first visit to my future in-law's house after asking my wife Hannah to marry me. I was nervous. And it's always unique, isn't it? When you're invited into someone else's family. But they welcomed me. They welcomed me like one of their own, and they still do to this day. I remember getting to experience their family traditions for the first time. And there was this one tradition if you can call it that, that I found more than a little odd. See, there in that dimly lit front room, the fire crackling under the hearth, the Christmas music playing softly from the speaker in the corner of the room, they began to unbox and unwrap their nativity scene. Each person in the house would take turns to carefully unwrap each figurine and then place it. But what struck me as strange was that each person had the freedom to place their figurine wherever they pleased. And there was this rule, wherever that figurine was placed, there it must remain until Christmas. And so after each person had taken their turns, chuckling, filling the room, I turned my eyes to this nativity scene, and believe me, I saw the nativity scene like never before. When I turned to that scene, somehow the sheep and the camels had made it onto the roof of the stable. But what struck me as most odd, sheep and camel, roof-bound animals aside, was where were the wise men? I scanned the nativity scene, I scanned the nearby piano, I finally found them over in the corner of the room on a stand by a TV. Years later, as I reflected on that moment that I was invited into a new family, and I got to experience that tradition. I thought to myself, though it was strange in the moment, maybe, maybe that was healthy for me to see the nativity in a new light. Maybe it was strangely more accurate. I believe that it revealed something deeper than our polished nativity scenes we are so accustomed to. And so today, as we rehear the story that may have become so familiar to us, I invite you, right where you are, 
to scramble your internal depiction of the nativity. To rethink the wise men. To see them in a new way. And as we discover who they were in light of their historical context, I want you to hear of their arrival, and I want it to make an impact on you the way it would have. The first hears of this amazing story. See, there's a powerful, powerful truth that is revealed in this narrative, and it's one that it reveals something that not unlike my first holiday being invited into a new family, this strange, unexpected arrival of the Son of God in frail humanity, being visited by strange mad magi from the east, reveals that it wasn't just for Jews. Jesus wasn't just for people who had their religious spirituality all figured out. He wasn't just for the elite or the powerful. Jesus, God in human flesh, had arrived unexpectedly. And as he did, he began to welcome all people into God's family. Even outsiders like the Magi, even outsiders like you and like me. This is good news for us, and it comes to us in this familiar story, one that we've seen enacted in children's plays or in wood-carved figures for all to see displayed in our houses. It's the story of magi. Some translations call them wise men. Some songs call them kings. But before we dig into this narrative, we need to do a little bit of deconstruction into who the magi actually were. You see, we discover a lot about the Magi just from studying the historical context and what God intended to reveal through the Apostle Matthew as he authored this gospel, indeed this story. We must seek to read it as it would have been read by its original hearers. And I want to warn you, as you read the story today, you will, you will be encouraged but I invite you to be challenged by it as well because it's revealing something potent to us, something timely. First, we know that these strangers from the east, they did not arrive the night Jesus was born. I know that's a shocker for some of us. No, they, they began a long journey, a hard journey. Many, many months it took to get there. They had been in their homeland, and they had seen a bright light dawn in the sky. Was it a lone star or a celestial event, an angelic illumination, a movement of God doing something strange? We cannot be sure, but what I want you to hear out of this is this. God carefully orchestrated all of these events so that he could draw these people to his son Jesus. This was totally the movement of God. We know they traveled quite some distance to worship this newborn king. They came from the east, from Syria, Persia, Arabia, or Babylon. And we're not even sure there were three kings. I know, spoiler alert, right? I know the song says we three kings, but the early church, they actually reported there were as many as 12 
There could have been more or less. We simply don't know. We've only come to assume there were three because of the three gifts that were given. Lastly, we don't believe that they were kings at all. I'm not sure that this title given to them or the title wise men really helps us to understand that this story is really scandalous. It's not about what these people brought to the table, but about what God was doing to draw them to himself. See, the word used in this passage is magi. It's a word that was used to describe soothsayers, magicians, and astrologers. They were from a pagan land. They likely worshipped pagan deities. They likely served pagan kings. These were outsiders, especially given the fact that Matthew was writing to a large Jewish context. These are the type of people that, that his audience would have naturally sort of looked down upon. The Magi were outsiders in the truest sense of the word. Jewish people while in exile. They had brought with them their teachings and their scripture and the Magi who probably were from some of that area where the, the people had been taken probably had become familiar with some of the Jewish prophecy about a star rising. Maybe they'd become acquainted with the scripture. And so what I want you to see here is that right where these foreigners, these strangers, these outsiders were, God came to them right where they were. He brought them his word. And he guided them by his light. And they embarked on their journey. So what I want to do as we dig into the passage today is start off with actually reading it in the ESV because I believe it highlights an important word that can be missed in the NIV. And I want you to listen for it. Well, we heard the passage read a minute ago, but there's a, there's a word that is brought out in this translation. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, here it is, Behold, that is to say, Look, Look, wise men, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. See, essentially Matthew is, is pointing out that God was doing something unexpected as if he is saying, look, and this is kind of off-putting for his original audience, look, strangers, look, outsiders, look, Gentiles, look, people you may have even learned to look down upon. Look, they're the first people in this story that God has drawn to himself to bow down, to worship Jesus. The entrance of these foreign pagan idolaters into the story would have certainly been surprising and even bothersome for some, especially those who had been born and raised in the long heritage in God's family. The truth revealed here is that in Jesus' kingdom, well, Jesus' kingdom was going to be much more than a national kingdom, a localized place with borders where some were in and some were out. See, the gospel message of Jesus is a message of forgiveness, a message of love, 
a message of restoration. And it is a gift for all people. In Jesus, God was drawing all nations, all types of people to himself, giving outsiders a place at the table. Matthew continues, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. It says he was disturbed, and it says that all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. So I want you to look at the reaction of King Herod. Look at the reaction of the religious leaders. Look at the reaction of Jerusalem. For Herod, hearing this news elicited a reaction of fear, hatred even hostility. Why was that? Because Herod was king. And for him, there was no room for any other king in his kingdom. See, Herod was afraid of what would change. He was afraid of what the arrival of this little child was going to interfere with in his life. See, Jesus' entrance into time and into space threatened his place, his power, and his presence in the world. Therefore, his first instinct was to be protection-oriented, to protect what was his, to seek to harm the child, to seek to harm others. We're meant to compare and contrast the arrival of these two kings into the narrative. You've got King Jesus, Lord of the universe, the one through whom all things were made. <laughs> he arrives humbly. He arrives lowly. And he welcomes outsiders to himself. Well, Herod, Herod wants to protect what's his at all costs. He even goes so far as to harm those who stand in his way. The arrival of the Magi, their wonderful message of this king of the Jews, is deeply troubling to him. His preoccupation with himself led him to miss the unexpected and wonderful and glorious and surprising event that was happening and being revealed right in front of his very eyes. What about us? Are we ever tempted to react more like Herod than the Magi? We get comfortable, don't we? We like our kingdom the way it is. We forget that we were all once outsiders who have been drawn into God's big family by his love, his mercy, and his grace. Instead, we like to get together with our holy huddles, only talk with the people we're comfortable with, we, people who look, talk, and act just like us, but this is not the picture of God's people, His family. This is not the picture of the church that is revealed in this story. See, the church, God's family, His people, isn't a national localized institution. Certainly, his church does not neatly align with any particular political movement or party. 
It is a beautiful mishmash, an imperfect community of outsiders who have been given a place at the table, a restored sense of who God has created them to be. And they have been given forgiveness and a new sense of worth and purpose. In Jesus, people from all nations, people from all walks of life are welcome to come bow down before the Lord Jesus and to receive in faith the forgiveness that only he offers. To receive his restoration. I want you to think about Jesus' earthly ministry as that toddler. He was a toddler when they showed up. As he began to grow and he became a man and he invited people, drew people to himself. He was often found eating and dining with outsiders, with sinners, often at the disgust of religious leaders of his day. And his disciples, well, they were an unlikely bunch, weren't they? Yet he drew them to himself. And ultimately, as he hung on the cross and he gave up his life, he drew all people to himself. Because in that moment, he destroyed the one thing that made everyone an outsider from God's family. So we've got this big problem called sin. Sin has worked its way into the very fiber and core of our beings. And the presence of sin literally separated us from having a relationship with God. But he sent his son Jesus to grow into a man who would hang on the cross and obliterate the power of sin, death, and the devil. The border that stood between us and God was obliterated forever, and we were welcomed into his family, into his kingdom, and he rose from the grave and gave us new life with him. God is continuing to draw outsiders to himself. He's doing it right now. He does it through the power of his word as it's preached, as we study it in community. He, he does it as we share life with each other. He does it as his word is spoken over the waters of baptism in a surprising way. And he does it as we, in a little bit, will experience communion together as his word is spoken over bread, wine, or grape juice. He meets us right where we are to bring us to his table, to his family. If you are here today, you're listening online, you're experiencing this today, and maybe, maybe, just maybe this is you. Maybe you have felt like an outsider. Maybe you feel like a stranger in a strange land. Maybe you even feel like you don't belong. Maybe you feel like the traveling magi who heard the call that Jesus has been born into your life. And you've traveled for many, many hard miles. Today, my prayer for you, come and receive. I want you to hear these words. Jesus welcomes you. 
So here at St. John's, we welcome you. Jesus loves you. So here, we love you. You're invited to hear this powerful story. It's a story of God who put on human flesh the magi visited toddler who grew up into a man who would die to restore your relationship with God for all eternity. See, friends, you have a place here. You are no longer an outsider as you trust in him for salvation today. And Jesus' light, it continues to illumine the nations even now, and it shines out in the world around us in an even more surprising way. His light shines out through you, through each of us. Matthew essentially ends his book with the very message with which he began. And I want you to hear it. The 11 disciples, those were those unlikely people Jesus drew to himself, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when Jesus saw him, and when they saw him, they bowed down and worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This might be a strange thing to suggest, but maybe, just maybe I'll invite you to do something odd with your nativity scene. As you turn the page on the year 2020, and you move into 2021, how about you keep your magi out? Leave them in a prominent place in your house to serve as a reminder that our God, in his great love, continues to draw all types of people to himself in Jesus. And he does so through people like us who were once outsiders, like the Magi. He does so through us, people like you and like me. Amen.